Welcome one, welcome all to episode 211 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Saturday, January 13th, 2024. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, joined by my co-host, the intrepid Captain Logan. Today, we look ahead to the Xbox Developer Direct, which promises updates for Avowed, Hellblade 2, and Indiana Jones, of all things, as well as the stellar first party, not first party, pardon me, the first entry into the game of the year conversation that is Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Very excited to talk about that. As always, we hope you enjoy the show. Logan, we start, we like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made our gaming weeks better. But first, how are you, my friend? Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I did an anime I... convention last week and, mm. um, I got the con crud and I've been fighting it since uh, Monday started out with fevers mm -hmm. and it went to uh, like sneezing and then it went to uh, like congestion and then coughing and then I lost my voice yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I've been resting it for this episode so that I could at least get, get through this episode. So if I start to sound like Geralt of Riviera, I apologize. <laughs> Wind blows. They're, but, uh, they're both other, the monsters. It's <laughs> my favorite quote. <laughs> Yennefer. Yeah. Ooh, that was good. That sounded um, just like her. Or him. Him. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna be I got like throw lozenges, I got like tea and, and orange juice. I got everything. You got Anything you could possibly the only thing I don't have right now is throat coat. And outside of that, like we're I'm, I'm hanging in there so but i wanted to i wanted to talk this week because i think it's there's so much good information to talk about and i got mm -hmm. to talk about it on cast co-op that mm -hmm. i wanted to sit down and get your thoughts on it yeah no i'm excited to as well we're gonna try and reduce how much you talk this episode for sure probably run a little bit shorter uh to our audience plus a lot of it is speculative and so we get to talk about a lot of uh, the results of that developer direct next week. But my words of kindness, Logan, uh, are to the cast co-op uh, crew, including you. They stepped in. I was able to watch a bit of it, but I had just come off parent-teacher conferences, which amounts to a very long day with lots of talking on my end. My voice was shot. My brain was shot. Those conversations can be very good to very difficult. And so I was just worn and you stepped in. I enjoyed what I watched of cast co-op. Uh, I haven't gotten to finish the rest of the episode, but I'll point people to it. It was a blast just hearing you guys chat. Sounds like you guys were having fun. Um, so I hope that uh, our audience here is able to go and check that out and support them as well. Uh, but the big news this week, Logan, the Xbox developer direct that we discussed as a potential announcement in the previous episode of XCP has now been realized. We know that it is uh, set to arrive on January 18th at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard, 3 p.m. Eastern, and 8 p.m. UK time. Uh, Xbox was also good enough to detail what we, we would be seeing in this developer direct, which I was very pleased about. I think it very much helps to set expectations for what the audience can look forward to. I think that's the best thing any PR company, PR firm, group can do, particularly when dealing with first-party announcements. 
so Logan, we're set to see updates from Machine Games on Indiana Jones, which was a big surprise to me. We're going to see more than 10 minutes of gameplay, which really is exciting. Uh, th- well, let me rephrase how they worded that. They said in their official announcement, 10 minutes of game and developer insight, including details on the game's setting and story, how fans will actually play as Indy, and additional details from his next globetrotting adventure. Uh, really excited to see what happens there. We'll also hear from Obsidian on Avowed as they do a a deep dive on the game, which to me suggests very much 2024. Uh, Oxide Games will be talking about Aura History Untold, which I knew very little about this game. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of social excitement for this one on the the socials, I should say, uh, because it's from the developers of Civ 5. Cool. Doesn't really do much for me on my my meter, uh, but cool. And then Ninja Theory is going to be showcasing Hellblade 2 which I'm, again, excited to see, but tired of seeing, unless it's soon. So I, I'm anxious for that one. I'll also say for the audience, they very clearly noted in their press releases and on their socials that we would not be seeing updates from Activision Blizzard, which surprised me, but I was very glad to know about ahead of time. Uh, so in short, Hellblade 2, Aura History Untold, Avowed, and Indiana Jones. I loved the messaging of this, Logan. And uh, I, wherever you'd like to start with whichever game you'd like to talk about, take it, take it away. Oh man. Um, I want to start off with uh, machine games with Indiana Jones, man. I think, uh, I think getting the showcase was fantastic to hear about. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's right in line with what I expected. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to see that 10 minutes of game and developer insights um, tells me that this is going to be a lot sooner than I think a lot of us expected. Mm -hmm. And I'm honestly, I'm really grateful for that because what we've seen from Arcane Leon talking about Blade wanting to be that third person over the shoulder action adventure game Mm -hmm. to combat things on competing uh, platforms like Mm Spider-Man, having Indiana Jones being that kind of, you know, fighting Nazis in in World War II and Mm -hmm. being like a, uncharted style type of game if that's what this ends up being like i think you know we may be going for ip here we may be picking out like you know like okay indiana jones is an ip it's not an original thing we can't do a whole lot with it beyond the first game Mm -hmm. same thing with blade you know you never know how it's going to go how the licensing deal is going to work out Mm -hmm. but to bring in an audience that wants to play these games and try them out while kind of paying homage to an ip that i personally absolutely love like i just recently watched the dial of destiny movie and was impressed by how much it followed the formula of old indiana jones movies and how that works it works really really well and to see this being something that they're willing to showcase now gives me hope that we're going to actually get it this year Mm mm-hmm so I'm super stoked for that, man. I'm I'm ready to whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I will probably sit down and play it just because I love Indiana Jones. But I'm I'm hopeful that this is the uncharted that Xbox fans have been asking for. I have uh, similar thoughts in some aspects and very differing thoughts in others. Um, I'll start by saying I don't think the Indiana Jones IP moves the needle for anyone really outside of a very select niche group of people however 
uh, I think a great game from Machine Games does move the needle, and I'm excited for that. Machine Games, uh, known for very high-quality work, and I'm stoked to see what they bring to the table. And I think there is a need for a good over-the-shoulder third-person action-adventure game in the Xbox Pantheon. Like Blade, I think Indiana Jones is an IP that's well-known, but not in its prime right now, and that makes it perhaps a bit easier to kind of get in, find a way in, as opposed to some of the bigger and stronger IP that are out there right now. Like, you couldn't get Hogwarts Legacy exclusive, at least I wouldn't think so, right? Um, So this is a great chance, I think, for both Indiana Jones and Xbox to set a bar that perhaps people weren't uh, fans of. I have an interesting in in that I get to hear kids talk about games regularly, right? None of them know what Indiana Jones, who Indiana Jones is, what it is as an IP or its legacy. And so a great game from Machine Games could be special. Um, I hope it's more than just Xbox's Uncharted. But if it's Xbox's Uncharted, that's dope. I love the Tomb Raider formula, the modern Tomb Raider formula. Yeah. If it's that, I'm there for that too. Um, I think this is a great chance. And to your point about it being sooner rather than later, we know that it was uh, based on the the self-imposed leaks that Xbox did, where they unfortunately released all their documents to everybody, that we, we saw this in the 2024 slate. Now, of course, times have changed since then, but to see in a developer direct where you expect things that are shown here to be for this year, to get fans excited about what they can do with their Xbox in the near future, I have to think that this is going to be in 2024 slate next to all these other games that are in the developer direct and a few more that we know. Uh, So I do, you know, after we talk about the game show, I do want to look at like how these are going to be parsed through the year, but I'm excited for Indiana Jones as well. And I wasn't prior. In fact, I wasn't excited for Avowed last year. Like when I saw it didn't really do much for me, but in the wake of a 2023 where Diablo, a game I wasn't into, became my game of the year. Where Starfield, a formula that I'd never really bought into, became one of my favorite games of the year. And a year prior in 2022, where Elden Ring was my game of the year. It's like, oh, my tastes are changing. My mind is opening to different genres. Maybe, maybe Avowed is there for me. And seeing Obsidian give, give a deep dive on Avowed, particularly after they've changed art styles, has me excited to see what it is they've got cooking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the thing with Avowed is, you know, we've, we've kind of been tasted, given a taste of like what Bethesda games are. And this is going to be the main team from Obsidian who kind of came from Bethesda. And I think uh, to, to go touch back a little bit on Indiana Jones, I think one of the things that I think that the Dial of Destiny did well was the, old Indiana, the young version of him with CGI turned out really, really well. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Having a game with Indiana Jones that can be any age. Uh, I'm curious if they'll get Harrison Ford, if they'll actually pay for him to voice this, or if they'll just get like a, a voice alike mm-hmm. to do Indiana Jones. Cause I think it's going to be very integral to know like how he sounds. And I think I'm hoping for the 10 minutes to give us a bit of that as well. But to touch on, oh, go ahead. Well, no, the voice is an interesting take because uh, Harrison is aging as a guy who enjoys making money and will support his IP if he's paid, but doesn't seem as invested into it, at least to my outside looking in. 
And I wonder if in order to bring a new audience in, they need a new face, a younger one that's more recognizable. Um, and I don't know what that means, who that means. I also know that like recasting Indiana Jones is a, that's a daring concept, a daring idea. But I wonder yeah. if they need or want to have Harrison Ford in there because the IP has stagnated, right? Um, it has not done for them uh, what they had perhaps hoped to at the box office and whatnot. And so I'm just curious if they'll try to stick with the Harrison Ford route because who's Harrison Ford to the youth? Yeah. That's, again, I mean, maybe I, I'm off the hip. I, I, I think that I think there's a, a missed, a, a, a missed point about all the, all the people that grew up with Indiana Jones and with Harrison Ford and star Wars and stuff. Mm -hmm. most of these people have kids and those those mm -hmm. adults are going to be wa watching these movies with their kids and introducing mm -hmm. them into their fandoms it's like i i heard a story about uh, i was at a steve downs panel a couple couple years ago uh during an anime convention and a daughter got up and spoke passionately about how much steve downs who is an old man and has been voicing you know chief for a very long time Mm -hmm. was so so much of a part of her life and she wasn't even 20 mm -hmm. but the reason that she got up there was she wanted to express her her gratitude for his efforts because playing through the halo games was something that her dad did with him and her dad had passed recently mm. so even though yes i it is indiana jones is a generation removed from where it was in its prime that doesn't necessarily mean that kids aren't still growing up with Indiana Jones because of their parents wanting them to watch it and mm -hmm. sitting down with them and having those moments. I, um, I saw a similar argument. I've long advocated for the return of Disney infinity and Skylanders in digital form, but I saw mm. an interesting, uh, social post. I, I don't want to miscredit, but I think it was John wall that posted, posted it on threads, but the idea that, so many of the kids that grew up on Skylanders are now adults. The idea that they could play through with their kids, that same concept, bringing it back might be uh, worth a shot as far as bringing an IP back to relevancy. Um, yeah. I, I think there is definitely legitimacy to that argument of we put, you know, my, my parents loved it, so I'll love it. We see that work and successfully uh, work and be successful with Mario, with uh, Zelda. So yeah. I'm curious to know if that does happen with Indiana Jones, potentially with other other IP as well. Additionally, thanks to streaming services, content is readily available. I mean, how many how many Gen Zers or millennials, like older or younger millennials, discovered Friends well past its air date, mm -hmm. or or uh, you know just older Sopranos, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Shows are are readily accessible now thanks to streaming content, and there's no way that you know if if it was something in the '90s, if I wanted to watch an old movie back in the '90s, like I had to go out and get the TV guide and actually sit down and actually like look throughout the week and try and find it to see if it was going to be airing on any of the major channels, mm -hmm. and then you know try and remember what day and what time it was going to air and then be there for that or set up a VCR to be able to record it for me and have a blank blank VCR tape ready for it. Like to, to say that an IP is dead is, is uh, kind of interesting nowadays because it's just, 
there's so much access available for older content now that we just didn't have back in the day. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. Either way, I'm stoked for what Indiana Jones does, but I, I do want to loop back to Avowed. Are yeah. you excited for Avowed? Because that that the art shift to me was very uh, jarring because I had seen this teaser years ago that was very hyper realistic, yeah. and then the art style so fundamentally changed and big picture, whatever that I have no buy-in on the IP. Uh, I have no buy-in on, um, I know it's in the living lands, but what is it? Pillars of eternity, pillars of eternity. You'll have to, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think don't it's know pillars about of eternity. that. I want to say that that's the bigger like um, umbrella IP that it exists under. Yeah. Uh, but that, that art shift was so dramatic for me that I was like, Ooh, do I, do I like this? And like, I, I don't know, again, my tastes are changing. I'm adjusting as a gamer. And also I haven't played it. I've only seen like a little clip it. Um, but you know, over time, I'm like getting more and more excited for Avad as we approach kind of seeing what it could be. And I appreciate the idea that it doesn't look like Skyrim Elder Scrolls or anything else. So I'm very interested to see uh, what Obsidian's been cooking because it feels like this is the th this is the explosion of, of IP and excitement that we saw Xbox investing in in 2017 through uh, to their purchase of Activision Blizzard. Now the exclusives are coming, and Obs Obsidian's avowed feels so original. It's not an IP that that is you know it's not Indiana Jones, it's not Blade, um, it's not Halo, it's not Gears, it's not Forza. It feels like its own thing. All right, what do we got? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is going to be interesting. They've been working on this for a long time. I can tell you that much. And, uh, it is the main team over at Obsidian, the guys that, that broke away from Bethesda. This is their team that have been kind of working on this. The outer worlds team is still working on outer worlds. The, uh, grounded team is still doing grounded. There's, I think two more smaller teams, one or two more smaller teams that are testing things around uh just to, for smaller projects testing ideas and whatnot but this you is going to be a story on cast co-op i apologize for interrupting about outer worlds 2 oh yeah you share that mini anecdote while your voice is still alive yeah they uh they, they basically for outer worlds 2 when they showed off that trailer they were just like slamming things together and pumping out a quick trailer for it and when the trailer went out, it was like, how much of the game is there? And it's like, there is no game. This is not a, there's no game at all. This is just a trailer at this point, but they knew they wanted to do it. And they, and they, they knew that they were, they were going to be jumping on it, but they were very much in the early stages of pre-production when, they, when they put that trailer up. Mm -hmm. That's fine. So, but yeah, to, to kind of get back to avowed, um, I think this is going to be the Skyrim for me. Uh, I trust Avowed as far as their systems go, based off Outer Worlds. I know this will have, and I, I know this is going to have encumbrance, which I hate. But I, I know that you didn't get into Skyrim. I didn't really get into Skyrim, mm -hmm. and those those games just don't really—they're too wide for me mm -hmm. most of the time. And with like Outer Worlds being a little more narrow, I think this will be a little more narrow, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of looking forward to that. Being that it's not the it's the first deep dive into gameplay, I'm I'm curious if you think that this is going to be ready this year or ready later. 
I think this is ready this year. I think uh, Avowed is probably aiming to be a wonderful hybrid of the Skyrim-style formula with a scope that is more narrow, like Outer Worlds. And I think that's necessary. We've seen from leaks, from hacks, and from just uh, studio directors and and, uh, studio heads coming out and saying that games can be too big and too expensive now. And Xbox, Microsoft, uh, needs cadence with their releases to sustain a Game Pass subscription for 35 to 50 million people uh, over time. And having a narrower scope reduces budget and time in between titles. So if they can get avowed out there in a not 100 plus hour style, and maybe we've got a 30 hour narrative or even less, if I mean, 20 hours sounds great. Um, And then you can do more in there. That's great. I'm there for that. Um, I don't necessarily need the next Skyrim because much of that much of that can exist if you want it to in Elder Scrolls Online or in some of these, you know, MMO style spaces, Fallout 76 being a good example, uh, to fill the gap, to satiate that need. That's not to say I think they're a full replacement for it. But I'm really stoked to see what Avowed does um, in an era where RPGs are upping their own bar. And it'll be neat to compare Starfield to Avowed. It'll be neat to compare some of the RPG greatness we've had between Diablo, between Baldur's Gate, Starfield itself, uh, in some of the MMO style spaces I mentioned. I'm I'm very much in the mind that this is a 2024 game. Um, I think Xbox has more than we thought for 2024, um, and we kind of kind of wink and a nod knew that anyway, if we're being honest, because originally we thought Hellblade avowed Microsoft Flight Sim and Towerborn. Well, Indiana Jones adds a bit to this. Uh, there's the potential for the the leaked Bethesda remasters to perhaps fill some of the smaller windows of time, like the like like Oblivion remaster or whatnot. Um, the the idea of some compilations that they could do. A lot of people want that Gears remaster or collection. Uh, we know that it does not. I don't think it's one to one, but the the Call of Duty is now first party you know do you have a a mascot platformer in there and how do you sparse them out um we had a lot of hubbubaloo about xbox first party titles going to other places i believe it was nate the hate who on his podcast kind of started that rumor and then others jumped on it um some mentioning you know recent stuff like hi-fi rush others sea of thieves um and to my mind, like if you've got an Oblivion remaster, because Nate the said it was a, at one point a game of the year contender. If you've got an Oblivion remaster, does that go multi-platform? Does that release this year? Just I'm curious to know, but I do think to your original point, Avowed does arrive in 2024. I think Hellblade 2 arrives in 2024. I think Aura and uh, Indiana Jones are all 2024. And Flight Sim and Towerborn are there also, as opposed to being the pillar title. Um, and I'm curious what our audience thinks on that one too. So I please, if you're if you're on YouTube, drop a comment. If you're in social, put hit us a message on Threads or or Twitter because I'm curious. But I do think we see all of those in 2024. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, Aura uh, History Untold. This moves no needles for me, but I know that it does for some. I I, I remember Joseph Moran was very excited because he saw Civ Five, and that just was special to him. And I know that 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 genre of game has such a niche appeal that not many in our uh podcaster community 
discussed much, but I know that it, it has relevancy. Uh, interesting to see this in a developer direct. I wonder why it's happening because I don't know Oxide Games from anybody, uh, but cool, neat. Um, I don't know. Do you know why this is here? Is this an, I haven't even looked it up. Um, I looked up everything but Aura because I just had some, so little interest. Is this an exclusive? Is this, are they funding part of this? What's the point? Yeah. So uh, as far as I remember, and I, and I could have swore it was on PC, but uh, it may just be a console exclusive only. But um, I think this is going to be kind of positioned as their, we have something for everyone game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they had uh, Age of Empires uh, for the last few times, um, talking about trebuchets and stuff. Mm -hmm. They like to have a balance. They like to have content that will cover a broad scope of genres. And, you know, they want to make sure that they give them a little time to shine. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for Aura History Untold to be shined into the, or pushed into the spotlight. Not many people are going to really focus on this. Not a lot of people are going to really care about this. Most of the main gamers probably aren't going to be interested in this. But it does come from veterans of Civ Six or Civ Five, which is, mm -hmm. you know, a really good pedigree to be coming from. And it mm -hmm. tells a type of story that we don't really see a whole lot with these kind of strategy history games, mm -hmm. um, where it is kind of allowing you to, you know, break your brain a little bit and do stuff that is outside of what was you know what naturally happened in the course of history so mm -hmm. to be able to have planes during cleopatra's era of reign uh or to have battleships um during you know the the uh, napoleon's great battle you know like there's mm -hmm. things that i think that they're doing uh if i recall correctly that really does kind of seem cool you know we've seen a couple trailers for this already mm -hmm. we kind of know that it's going to be coming out this year but it's one of these things that if it doesn't have the people who are making it passionately speak about it i think it's going to get left in the dust uh to not to be you know cruel but i i don't think a majority of gamers are going to give it the light of day mm -hmm. so giving it an opportunity to kind of you know spread its wings and fly in this direct i think is going to be really good for it i think a lot of people are going to see stuff that they are going to watch for the sake of the content mm -hmm. but i think that they're going to come away thinking a little bit different from it thinking like oh you know that might actually be fun to kind of play around with because it's not just the the same old same old with these civ games I I I, th I agree with you. And uh, for those that don't know, Tina Amini and uh, Aaron Greenberg are executively producing this one. And without a doubt, Tina Amini is just one of the most talented in the industry when it comes to stuff like this. I hope that she and the makers of this developer direct are able to 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 look to past directs and see that talking about trebuchets might drag a show for a wider audience and sour people on that are that are disinterested and i hope the pacing matches it because i think the stories and the developer uh discussions are hugely important and obviously on this show where we interview people uh and have developers on and whatnot the conversation is very special to us um but to hit a wider audience and a lot of eyes will be here i hope the pacing is appropriate for it but um i've got to say after last year's developer direct and the work that We've seen Xbox, Tina, uh, Tina Amini, and the teams do has improved, but Xbox has had a messaging problem in years past, and this is a great chance to continue the upward trend overall that they have displayed. 
So, so we'll see. Um, we'll see for sure. But I do think to all your points that Ara is potentially the one that could drag the, the show. Um, and I hope to be very, very wrong on that as well. So yeah, definitely. now Hellblade two to me is a bit of a conundrum here because if this game is not ready, close to ready, then then I think we have the right to be very upset. It was Hellblade 2 that officially helped announce the Xbox Series X at the Game Awards in, I believe it was 2019. That was a pivotal moment uh, in Majan from High Long Play. That trailer was incredible. It was special. But we have seen this game a number of times in a couple different ways. The most recent time we saw the kind of beefed up amounts of combat that were exciting to look at. Game looks... Uh, it's been described as heavy by others, and I think that's a very apt and appropriate descriptor. I love the idea that it's the original Hellblade with more combat. It, at least that's the impression that I'm getting from the more recent showcases. But I don't want to see this game again unless it is set to arrive soon this year. Um, I think, uh, we'll talk about this in a moment, but I think this is the Q1 game. We'll see. Uh, but I, I'm stoked for this one, for sure. Uh, but don't show me Hellblade 2 and mocapping and talk about psychosis if the game's not set to be soon. At least that is my take on this one. Where do you expect uh, Hellblade 2's showcase to be here? I kind of thought that this was going to be something that was going to be showing up um, later in the year. Like mm -hmm. I kind of figured that this would be their kind of like, you know, home run stretch for games because it is something that I think they want to give them the time to do. But I also think that they also know that this is one of the biggest hitting games for their, for, for the console, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they wanted to take a moment to kind of break down some of the, uh, the work that's been put into this while kind of like showing off like, Hey, sorry, see how, like how this game is uh, come along over over the years um and i'm really excited to see like them win me over uh i i honestly need to go back and finish the first game it's something that for whatever reason just did not keep me invested i think it, it plays with a lot of really cool ideas i think it plays with um a really interesting uh kind of of style of game and and combat is fun i i, mm -hmm. I had a pretty good time with that but Overall, for whatever reason, it just didn't uh, it didn't capture me. Mm -hmm. I think I got stuck at one point trying to figure out how to get past a puzzle, and I just put it down after that point. Mm -hmm. But everyone speaks so highly of this that it, it's it's really cool to see them get an opportunity to kind of level up their studio and really try and tackle something. Mm -hmm. I do worry that maybe something will be lost with them kind of going bigger. But I think that's why I'm interested in watching this is to see how how they plan on approaching something that was so revered as as this amazing dive into psychosis mm -hmm. compared to becoming bigger studio and and having a chance to really create a triple A experience. I think and, that's perhaps why it's taken so long though. Maybe yeah. they, I think, I feel like Xbox has given them the true time to, to do this because perhaps it could have been forced in a year 
where they didn't have much, right? Maybe there was there was the option to do that, but it feels like they've truly let this be the showcase piece uh, for the Xbox catalog. And and Logan, I originally agreed with you on the release window of it being later in the year, it being the big game. But I think when you've got the Indiana Jones IP and a, the, the the chance for an action adventure, you let Hellblade start your year uh, in late Q1. And then Indiana Jones is kind of your big fall game. Uh, and next to that, you've got a lot of other filler titles. And, th- and that's, the, that's the thing. We know about 2024, Hellblade 2, Towerborn, uh, Aura, and Flight Sim. We make the presumption that Indiana Jones is in there now, given the reports of its advanced state of development, given how long we've seen since it. Um, and then they've also got to be cognizant of the Activision Blizzard releases through this year. That's not to say that it's one-to-one. Like, they are not yet on a cadence where Activision Blizzard games eat Xbox releases. I don't think we're there yet. Um, But they need to be cognizant of it. And I would think a third-person action-adventure game is exactly what you want in the latter half of your year when you anticipate uh, Sony having something, right? You anticipate (laughs) Sony's set to fill this year of with remasters and and AA and indie indie titles, which they've done before. For the record, if anyone remembers the PS4 launch or certain windows of time in the PlayStation's history, but PlayStation seems to be doing, you know, unintentionally pulling from the Xbox catalog of all right, it's going to be we're going to lean on the live service and Destiny: The Final Shape. We're going to lean on indies and AA, you know, Hell Divers too. And that's going to be what we got, plus some hardware revisions. New Sony controllers on the way. I think it's the DualSense 2 or something like that. That's on the way, and then there's a few other little things. But, you know, they they don't have the big Sony-style game that we know of at the moment, although I do anticipate a state of play soon, just for the record. Um, so I think Indiana Jones actually rearranges my predictions a bit, and we see Hellblade earlier in the year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I could definitely see it. Um, the trouble that I run into is is from a notoriety 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 section or perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want that game to be the game that people really focus in on. Mm-hmm. I think Elder Scrolls Which was game? Hellblade uh, or Indiana Jones. Uh, Hellblade. Okay. Um, Towards like awards and stuff like that, I think you you know if you launch later in the year, it's going to be remembered a little bit more. Uh, uh, Hellblade or um, Elder Scrolls be or no Elder Elden Ring being the exception to the rule here. I think a lot of people know that if you launch a title early in the year, unless it's a game like Elden Ring, mm-hmm. it's going to get forgotten mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the year when people start bringing it up. And I think you know if you if you want your game to do well, you launch it with enough space that you could give it a 10 to 15% discount towards the end of the year. So that when awards go up, you're still making some money off of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's kind of speaking from a a marketing perspective, who knows personally, like what the studio state is, if the studio is, is just about ready to go, but wasn't it last year that they were doing kind of showcasing like um, trailers of them doing motion capture mm-hmm. and they were still stating like, Hey, we're still capturing a lot of the uh, animation for this. I don't remember the exact timeline, but I do know what you're uh, referring to. 
And it kind of jumbled, I thought, a bit with their announcements of Project Mara. And I feel like they had one more thing they were doing yeah. uh, outside of it. So your point is well taken. I don't know where the lineups go. And I don't think I don't think that game of the year is the goal for Xbox right now. I don't mm. think that is the thing that moves their needle next to appropriate staggered releases uh, for their content because they want that cadence to happen. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, incorrect there, but it feels to me like Xbox has resigned itself. Like, all right, we are or are not going to get the, the type of attention in social media or outlets or game of the year or whatnot. And it felt like that, that narrative really rang loudly in social spaces, but didn't seem to affect anybody. We saw that uh, Starfield for good, bad, or, or amazing, whatever else, it landed on a lot of people's game of the year charts. It uh, was the number three most profitable on Steam. I th there might be a, a asterisk to that, but I did, did see that going around. That, like It was behind Hogwarts Legacy and for the life of me, Logan, what's the other one? There was one other I one. can't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I, I do think that it's interesting to look at that considering you have to take out the fact that Call of Duty is only on Battle.net. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what point well taken, but to see it up there is like, all right, cool, rock on, go for it. Um, I, I think the majority of social spaces are very different than the majority of sales, and it reminds us yet again that Steam is a great place to be for other titles and uh going into to other places for your releases are important. And that's, that brings up the like, you know, should it go, should Xbox games be exclusive or not? And I want to have that conversation um, after we shout out our patrons, if you don't mind, because we, we've yeah. not done our Patreon pitch, which we're moving more towards the middle of our show. Um, and because your voice is gone, I will do the, I'm going to carry this one. Uh, if you I don't mind. It. All right. Well, we want to thank all of you that have chosen to support XCP in 2023 and now 2024. Uh, it means the world. And I can tell you is that we've done, we had a lot of bills lately as far as like podcast hosting software. And it means the world to those of you that are able to, to donate any, any bit to help. So thank you guys for going to patreon.com slash Xbox expansion pass. It really does help. Um, I want to give a shout out to our tier two and three patrons this week. Uh, and they are Nicholas Johnson. Ellery Woods Parker III, Nicholas Downey, Rob Frawley II, Tao Zochi, Xbox Skittle, Steel Rain, Matto1606, Randalthor19, Silkenick, Rick Gaffney, Hafrican, aka Charles Jones, Game Positive, Jam Pack Sam, Matt Valdez, Neo Prime33, Rick Davis, Red Beast, Xbox Mike29, the Lord, Sir, Master, and Allfather, James Suddy. Brendan Myers, a.k.a. The Winter Gamer. Sony's VP of Marketing, Kevin Butler. Clint Coombs, DJ Hero, and Dano12. Thank you guys for supporting XEP at patreon.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass. You helped keep this show going, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Thank you guys. Um, <clears throat> hoping to do some cool stuff with that uh, Patreon money this year. Travel. Uh, meet up in person, fan fests, hoping to do some good stuff there. So if you're able to help us get it there, thank you so much. Uh, Logan, a lot of hubbubaloo about the idea of Xbox exclusives going not exclusive. We saw Steven Tatilla put out uh, a game file update on his Substack that Sea of Thieves was once considered for this. We saw uh, Jeff Grubb and a few others mentioning that he, they had heard something similar. A lot of people opposing the idea of Hi-Fi Rush 
going out there. Uh, for my mind, an Oblivion remaster might make sense, and others even suggesting the Master Chief Collection, which was at one point in consideration to go other places. I find myself of two minds on the idea of some of the old Xbox IP headed other places. On the one hand, on a business sense, I think it's important that Xbox uh, see returns on the games they've invested in and expand their brand influence. On the other hand, rewarding Xbox uh, customers for, I say the word loyalty, but really for investment into that ecosystem wherever Game Pass exists, I think is very much important. Uh, I don't buy into the idea that people are saying it's free with Game Pass. That's not that's not the point. That's not what Game Pass is. But Game Pass customers should be rewarded, and I think they are when that game arrives there for no upcharge. I don't I don't get bothered on the one hand to know that Hi-Fi Rush or Sea of Thieves or Master Chief Collection could show up in other places, but I do think it on some level damages the value of the xbox brand the question is is the xbox brand so valuable that sending hi-fi rush over there is is a big deal and uh case by case is what we heard with ori in the blind forest and will of the wisps and uh seeing minecraft exists in other places is okay too we obviously know that fallout 76 is in other places diablo call of duty do we need to see hi-fi rush anywhere else i so there's it's, it's almost like there's two red buttons that phil spencer is trying to decide on which one to push mm-hmm. and one is either expanding the library of exclusives and the other one is expanding the brand for money mm-hmm. and i you know a lot of people are going to probably get on my case about this but i'm also of two minds personally I like the idea of expanding the library of exclusives. I own all the consoles, so I'm not worried about what exclusives go where because I have access to them regardless. But I understand from a perspective of someone owning one console that having exclusives become Mm multi-plat is a boon. It means you don't have to go out and buy another console. But I don't see Nintendo doing this because they have invested heavily in the fact that their exclusives are and will maintain as exclusives. Mm -hmm. They trust their IP. They build good games around their IP. They build the best games for their hardware than compared to any other game. And it shows Zelda Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, by all rights, should not run on those consoles. Mm -hmm. But they do. And they fit on the carts somehow. Mm -hmm. And to see... Things like, you know, Hi-Fi Rush becoming multi-plat or Sea of Thieves becoming multi-plat. Does it bother me? In a way, yeah, because of the exclusivity and the investment in the ecosystem. But also, no, because I would like other people to experience those consoles and those, or those games. But, mm-hmm. Luke, you're predominantly an Xbox guy. I'm predominantly an Xbox guy. Mm-hmm. When it comes to games... Where do you usually buy your games? On Xbox. Okay. And what is it about Xbox that drives you to buy those games? Uh, When I saw that Xbox, and it came as a result of them being in trouble, oddly enough, but I go where my dollar is most appreciated and most valued. That's what mm-hmm. saw me switch to the from the Xbox 360 over to the PlayStation 4 and that transition. That's what saw me switch back when the Xbox One S and Game Pass and Games with Gold all 
became relevant because I saw Xbox is working harder for my dollar and uh, the catalog of games speaks to me, spoke to me then, speaks to me now. And now I feel very valued as a customer from Xbox. I'm invested in that ecosystem. Memories via achievements are there for me. Uh, money spent in catalog are there. I used to have a mantra. My 20, If 2023 was find the fun for XCP, 2022 was the cost catalog and choice. They pushed back compat. They allowed you Game Pass. They did a great job with live service, and they gave you choices for where to play, PC or console. I think cost catalog and choice remains true. Uh, you've got a lot of options to play Xbox games in different places, cloud, PC, console. Do you want the expensive Series X on your disc? Do you want the smaller uh, Series S for your living room, but you don't, you know, it's digital and every, all your saves are in the cloud. Um, that is what keeps me in the Xbox ecosystem. My dollar travels far and I feel valued as a customer. Rest assured, the day I don't feel valued is the day I cancel and leave. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious, like, how much do exclusives determine where you spend a majority of your dollar? Because I, I think for a lot of folks, and and maybe this is just me, you know, kind of like reaching on on a theory to support my own thoughts on this. But genuinely, I feel like the exclusives drive the hardware, and once you have the hardware, mm-hmm. you're invested in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, I buy an Apple phone not because I think that Apple's doing the best product, but because I've been invested in that ecosystem for so long that's where all my purchases are i don't want to have to go make all those purchases again for android mm-hmm. plus i'm familiar with the ui and stuff and i think that's what happens with xbox um i can only get sea of thieves on xbox or mm-hmm. pc and because of that i bought an xbox mm-hmm. and because of that i got more invested in the xbox and then next thing you know i've got more xboxes in my place than i have playstations or nintendos Mm -hmm. and i think that to see games like hi-fi rush or sea of thieves have the potential to go to other platforms is great for getting money and giving players the the opportunity to play games that they normally wouldn't have Mm -hmm. but that but having them be exclusive isn't an issue for nintendo games Mm-hmm. it's not an issue for playstation games mm-hmm. in fact the fact the the mere idea of playstation games going to pc which is widely accepted as kind of the neutral territory mm-hmm. was unheard of in this space and i don't see a problem with exclusives i think it drives console sales i think it, it enriches an ecosystem and yeah does it suck to not be able to play sea of thieves on my switch yeah but at the same time, I, I also understand that there is a, a buy-in value that mm-hmm. you get. And that buy-in value is something that needs to consistently be enriched. It wasn't that long ago that we were having debates for months, if not years, about whether or not Starfield was going to be exclusive to Xbox. Mm-hmm. And there was all this this discussion about, well, Phil said this, and it can be interpreted like that. Mm-hmm. And we had the same discussion about Blade not too long ago. Well, they didn't say they didn't they didn't say it was going to be on a, a Xbox. Xbox didn't release the video. 
Bethesda, Arcane, Leon is the one that did the post. Marvel is the one that did the press release and stuff. And it's like, if people are going to be okay with games going to other platforms and then throw a fit about, you know, Blade or Starfield not being exclusive, we really have to kind of check our bias. Because mm-hmm. I think if you want exclusives, then then be upfront about that and say like, yeah, I want exclusives and I want those exclusives to stay on my console because that is the value that enriches this console. Mm-hmm. It's what drives sales. It's what gets people into the, into the ecosystem. And if we don't have that ecosystem supported through the hardware, then the hardware goes away. And if the hardware goes away, then Sony can do whatever the hell they want. And we're all sitting there with our dual sense force. And I don't want that world. I want to have that world as an option, but I don't want that world as my end all be all. Right. Because otherwise we're just going to be all on PCs at that point. I think we're headed there anyway. Um, but, but not for a, a couple decades, but I yeah, I mean, it's clear the hardware that we have right now is, is the mini PCs, mm-hmm. but having a 200 or $300 buy-in to that ecosystem is way better than trying to build a decent rig for a grand mm-hmm. you can buy two consoles for the cost of a normal like gaming pc mm-hmm. i uh i threw out a funny like like i was being silly uh mm-hmm. idea on ptk blam's show last week switch two launches halo infinite multiplayer is there for free i thought that was a really fun silly dumb idea that's also kind of cool gets people into halo you play the multiplayer. Do you want to play the stories? Do you want to check that out? I could see a similar argument for Master Chief Collection uh, being there, but because of the hardware uptick on the Switch Two that we are anticipating, that idea is funny, and and that brings you know to light the idea of like does a games as a service should that exist in other places? You know, I think of the the, the multiplayer suites. I don't know that Infinite's the right choice, but like Fallout seventy six, right? Sea of Thieves is multiplayer, but. There is something lost when an exclusive goes elsewhere. I don't know how much is lost. I'm not the bean counter, but I think there is a value that's ingrated. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. In, in There is a value in a, an exclusive on a Nintendo or, or a PlayStation console. And now that Xbox is set to bring about so many exclusives over the course of the next five years, I don't want that value to go away because I've been here waiting for it for so long. Um, yeah. And for sure, there are Xbox people that listen to our show and others that are kind of just ticking boxes here and there, but but it all goes back to numbers. Like none of what we say matters next to the numbers. Uh, but I will be very interested to watch this year because we are expecting hardware from Nintendo. We're going to see software from Xbox. Sony's going to have to adjust its strategy in the wake of Jim Ryan's exit in the wake of not having a big 2023 and in for all we know at the moment 2024 in terms of new game releases and their the cost upticks of their games so it'll be interesting to watch and I'm I'm here for the ride one of the one of the arguments I'm constantly seeing uh kind of shot around is, is like oh this will this is money left on the table <laughs> and honestly <laughs> the, the company that has more money than anybody on the planet yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of my point is is uh, like everyone's like oh well you know like sea of thieves needs the player base sea of thieves doesn't need the player base i guarantee you that um 
Hi-Fi Rush is is a smaller one, so it's okay because it's a smaller title. It's like, okay, it's a smaller title, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't hold a lot of value to the Xbox ecosystem. Oh, what about the money? Microsoft could do could use the money. Like any company could use the money. But you know what what company is is hurting the most right now for for money? Sony. Sony. Yep, big time. Sony is the one that is that is looking at like their cost investments and thinking about all the projects that they're having to scrap because they aren't panning out. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are consistently like guys, we got to raise the price of games again. It's got to go up to 80 cuz mm-hmm. we aren't we aren't funding our single player adventure games because only people are buying them one time and they're getting too much value out of them. Mm-hmm. It's like was it Spider-Man okay. 3 in three parts? Was the unfortunately from the hack, we know that that's the direction they are leaning or were leaning at one point, Spider-Man 3 in three parts. Yeah. Just to to try and recoup that. Yeah. And it's like make smaller games, guys. Make smaller games. There you go. That's the answer. Side eye um, to avowed, right? Right. Yeah. So and and that's the thing is it's like yeah, could could Microsoft make money selling their games on other platforms? They can. They don't need to. Mm-hmm. Satya Nadella's all in. They just spent $69 billion on Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. And that and they still came out on top of Apple as far as market cap. Mm-hmm. Microsoft is fine. They're not going anywhere. They're not hurting. They're not asking for forgiveness from the government to to get rid of their debt. Mm-hmm. like they don't need the money right they'll they'll make it up somewhere it's it's not a big deal to them and i've also seen the argument i was like oh well microsoft is a software company microsoft has been making hardware for a very long over two time, decades guys. yeah a very long time outside of just xbox yeah they've been making mice they've been making keyboards they've been making computers like they've been making stuff for decades they're in hardware as well too. Not everything flies, but but a lot does get made. Mm-hmm. So, I just I the arguments that I see just they fall flat for me. And and I honestly I just I, I just want Phil to consistently reinvest in the Xbox brand as mm-hmm. worthy of having exclusives. Yeah, if that makes sense. Well, and and I'll remind listeners. Uh, this year, in fact, very soon, you're getting Diablo 4 Season 3. Starfield is set to have an update with over 100 improvements. Halo Season 2, the show, just dropped a trailer uh, that looks good. I've been fooled before, but it looks good. You have Halo Season 6 and Halo Infinite Season 6 on its way. Sea of Thieves Season 11 uh, is set to do bigger things than Season 10 did. Hard not to, but still. Uh, they grounded continues to swell like they are they're the xbox brand is pushing out content now in ways that um we don't always see or or note on this show and so there's there's always potential for new customers there and like they are invested they are invested i think everybody lost their minds because hideo kojima tweeted a picture of uh Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, two musicians who did things like uh, Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem and and others like the idea that they might be working on overdose with him. I don't care. Like he tweeted a picture, but like people are are jumping to it. And that's that's cool. Like people are excited and the Xbox brand is clearly invested in the future for any number of things, immediate and far um, for sure. 
Logan, yeah. uh, I don't want to drag your voice terribly long, but we have not touched on listener mail. We haven't touched on Prince of Persia and we haven't touched on uh, Suicide Squad's NDA lifting. Uh, take your pick, buddy. Where do you want to go? Why don't you tell me about Prince of Persia? Prince of Persia is fantastic. Uh, Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown was not what I had on my bingo card for being uh, worthy of a game of the year conversation, much less before the first 20 days of 2024 were done. But this game launched to a 9.5 from Xbox era, nine from PSU, uh, nine from Easy Allies, nine from Prima Games, nine from Six Axis. IGN gave it an eight, Push Square an eight, VGC a four out of five. Uh, when I pulled the numbers, it was a Metacritic and Open Critic of 87 in both categories. Fantastic video game. I am, listeners, I am 30% into this game. I've spent nine hours uh, scoping out and playing it pre-release, uh, which means there's no guide, so I've been running around and learning myself. Prince of Persia is amazing. It is a game of the year contender. It is one of the best Metroidvanias that I've ever played. I put it on par at the point that I played after nine hours, I put it on par with super Metroid. I put it on par with the Ori games. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It is beautiful and in its art style, but that is not at all indicative of how well the game actually plays. Um, I am finding more and more. Everything I discover leads to a new discovery and a new scope for the game, a new ability, which is, par for the course for metroidvanias but it's so well done the level of design so well done that i'm just finding an, a near infinite amount of joy thus far um logan i'll tell you what stood out to me most about this game was the accessibility uh the options in here to turn on and off and adjust via the bar that you once saw in in tomb raider for hints for tra traversal help uh, for difficulty, for the health of enemies. It's all customizable. You can do your standard easy, medium, hard, but you can also move them on on bars to adjust what you want from your gameplay experience. I ended up turning enemy health down because to me it's the discovering and the platforming that is more fun than just the combat. But the combat feels good too. And you can upgrade yourself. You can uh, discover new worlds. There are optional quests. There are real quests. The map is huge. And it has a feature in here, Logan, that uh, I, I, I'm accidentally quoting Tina Amini because I heard her on the Xbox podcast a few days ago um, say this, but I had already had it in my notes to say as well. You can screenshot a portion of the map on the map. So you can open up your map and see a screenshot that you yourself have taken to say, hey, I need to come back and look at this for maybe when I get a new ability or when I have time to explore this route. And that is a really wonderful feature. Um, there have been a few times because I, of course, we're playing before the game is uh, launched. Uh, there are no guides. And so like there have been a few times where I'm like, wait, I'm not sure where to go. And then that moment of realization when you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do has led to some wonderful discoveries. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I think it, I believe it's $49.99 uh, across the board. That's well worth this price. I don't want anyone to balk at that because you see a 2D side-scrolling game. This game is every bit the game that Super Metroid or Ori is. There's a reason it's getting 9.5s and 9s out there. Um, I want everyone to go check this one out. Don't sleep on it. I know the XCP community has been checking out the demo when this full game launches. Don't balk at the idea of spending your money here. I think this is one of the best uses of your money in January. 
uh, and I'm just, I'm in awe because I, I remember texting you. I was like, Hey, do you want this? We have the opportunity to get a code. Do we want this? And we were both like, no, not really too busy with X or Y or too interested in X or Y. And on a whim, I was like, mm, you know what? I just finished Alan Wake two. I'm in that, that void of wanting to play something refreshing. I reached out. They were good enough to provide a code. And I can't tell you how great this game is. I'm so glad that happened. Um, and I will point everyone, everyone in this audience to go enjoy Prince of Persia. It's a game of the year contender for sure. I, I can't say enough good things. How's that? Yeah. Does that give you time to co collect your voice, but also answer the questions? Yeah, no, I, uh, um, kind of looking at this, I, I play through the demo a bit. Did you? And, uh, yeah, I, I spent a few hours playing through the demo. <clears throat> I really like the amulet system that allows you to kind of add perks and bonuses to your, to your gameplay. Mm -hmm. You can mix and match to kind of curate your, uh, your style, which I really like, and you can buy different amulets and get rewarded with other amulets to be able to kind of give you like increased health or, uh, you know, like more damage after parrying or like more damage in the air with melee or, you know, kind of gives you the opportunity to kind of tweak your build mm -hmm. without having just a skill tree system, which I think is the most common boring thing. Can I jump um, in on that one thought real quick? Yeah. You said build, and I think that'll attract and detract people from it. Um, and you also said parry, because there is a parrying system in here. The build mm. system is in there, but it all is very accessible and near optional, I would say, for for players because of the difficulty adjustments. Parrying is not something I'm overly good at. I don't, I'm just don't not predisposed for that. And Building things takes a lot of work for me, Logan. You and I have had that conversation a lot as I, I went on my Diablo journey. Because of the way you can adjust this and customize it, guys, you can play this as an action slashing game in a Metroidvania sense, or you can go that full parry build route. And both are rewarding, and neither punishes you for it. And I think that's worthy of of call out. And so I didn't want to, to jump over you on that one, but... Uh, I didn't want anyone to be dissuaded on that, that idea. Yeah, no, I, I think that the way they went about it was very, very well done. It's, it's very much like each little pendant on the amulet that you can make your necklace uh, up about has different values. It's either one, two, or three uh, in the demo. And depending on how powerful the little amulet part is, it's going to cost more and you have a, you have an allotment that you can choose to fill up. And I love that, that that's, you can kind of mix and match whenever you want. The, it is very much like a, uh, a Metroidvania where you will go until you get to your next save point. And if you die in between, then you restart everything. If you leave a room and you come back the enemies respawn, so you can grind them, but at the same time you have to go through them always. Um, the memory shard system that you talked about that captures the memory of, uh, of an area that has something that's currently inaccessible that you then unlock later on with an ability, um, is really cool. I think that needs to be brought a, a forward to all Metroidvanias because too often than not, you'll see like a special hidden thing that you can't quite access mm -hmm. and by the time you finally get to the ability to be able to access it you probably don't remember where it was mm -hmm. 
So having that that screenshot there is is fantastic. Um, the characters are adorable. I was really surprised that you don't play as any of the other characters in the game, uh, any of the other immortals, um, given how different they are mm -hmm. and how their play style is designed. I, I kind of expected to have like a new game plus available to me to be able to play through them mm -hmm. and their their abilities and stuff because of how different they are. But maybe in the future, that'll be something they can explore. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested again. 30% at nine hours, there's a lot of game here, which might uh, push people back. I, I, I know from talking to Ainsley Bowden and a few other people that reviewed the game, uh, they say it continues to only get better. I wonder also what they'll do uh, with that cast they introduce through the course of this game. I also kind of speculate, Logan, that the reason we saw the cancellation or the the removal of from the release from the uh, Prince of Persia remake has to do with the quality of this versus the quality of that. The quality bar on this game is so high that to see another Prince of Persia game out there that disappoints might detract from the brand relevance. Uh, and Ubisoft, I think, is trying to do something special with a lot of its IP, as we've seen Far Cry kind of wind down in favor of... Uh, I, the IP, you know, like pushing IP. They've got Star Wars Outlaws. They've got Avatar. They're working hard to, I think, use their formula, but apply it to IP, perhaps to save costs. Perhaps they're not seeing the returns on Far Cry uh, and The Division and some of the other stuff. So I think it makes perfect sense to utilize this. And I think they want Prince of Persia to be new again. Maybe. We'll see. But I love this yeah. game. Yeah. I'm glad that they decided to kind of step back away from that remake because it did feel like a cash grab mm -hmm. and i think they realized that and they think that knowing that people weren't going to be happy or review it well based on early looks mm -hmm. kind of saved them the heartache of of having to deal with this flop and mm -hmm. tarnish the per prince of persia especially if they knew that this was going to be coming at some point yeah i agree uh, Logan, I will very briefly say that the NDA on Suicide Squad lifted. Um, I got a lot of social traction uh, on threads. I got like 20,000 views on a post and a good amount on Twitter as well because I really disliked that game and I was pretty vocal about it in just like a single post. It just happened to catch. Um, this game makes me very angry and a lot of that comes from the bias of loving Arkham so much because this is not Arkham. Uh, the irony here is that it's DC. I love DC. Uh, it has an open world formula similar to Avengers. I loved Avengers. It <laughs> There are portions of it that are similar to another game franchise I love in Crackdown and Anthem. Uh, but we know that Crackdown and Anthem are no longer highly relevant. We know that Avengers didn't do well. So I'm angry that this game exists in the way that it does from a talented studio like Rocksteady. I also enjoyed Gotham Knights, by the way. And this game just makes me mad. The traversal I found very frustrating. I found the skills, or the 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 on display HUD and the amount of information they throw at the player very frustrating. And I found the uh, characters to be a bit samey and unintuitive all at the same time. Why would King Shark do X or Y? Why would Captain Boomerang do X or Y? But in in large part, my frustration with the alpha is also added to the fact that Logan, I know I'm going to play this game because it is DC, because it does match this formula, I know that I'm going to play this game. And if I have to eat crow and like this game after hating the the 
alpha so much. I'll be so frustrated with myself. Um, but I do have the sense at the moment, right? At the moment, I don't want to play this game at launch. I want to wait till a sale unless we get a code for it. I don't see myself spending $80, $70, whatever it is to play it. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, it's a formula that I have enjoyed in other games and it's DC, but God, that game makes me so mad, bro. It makes me so mad. <laughs> I'm I don't know what to do. This. Are you? Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. What am I gonna uh, do? And 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 the reason I'm looking forward to this is because of Boomerang. I saw a clip where Deadshot was going to like snipe the Flash, who was like checking something out, mm-hmm. and Boomerang came around and he slapped the, the barrel down. And he's like, "You might as well post him the bullet. It's the Flash." Mm-hmm. And he takes the shot and he disappears. And he's in, in like the flash is now like up at the building where they were, wherever they were, however far away they were. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harley like has a, has her gun like at his temple and pulls the trigger and he just leans back and he's like, really? You might as well mail me the bullet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just That's like funny. the humor in this looks so, so up my alley. I'm ready for that. You know, like, I've I've played through games where there hasn't been nearly as much good humor with uh, this. And I think that's what Suicide Squad brings is it brings a levity to a macabre scenario of this is a group of people who have very short lifespans who are going to try and have to pull off the inevitable, mm-hmm. which is save the world. And they're not the people that want to do it. Mm-hmm. They're the people that want to see the chaos, mm-hmm. but they have to go through this. And to see this story play out, I think will be very interesting. We still have not actually seen uh, a majority of the other fights. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I really want to know, like, what is the fight with Superman going to look like? Like, I really, really want to know what that is. That was one of the first things teased. Uh, about the game and to think that the suicide squad could actually pull off a fight against superman of all people it just seems crazy and i really want to see like how that plays out i think the gameplay is the thing that that gives a lot of us the most hang-ups um mm-hmm. i think the traversal and the dedication to that mindset mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that really rubs people the wrong way because it doesn't feel like these are the type of characters that should be doing that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy enjoy the boomerang traversal, though. Um, I got used to it. I, I I learned how it kind of works. I think Harley's was the one that I I had the hardest time with, mm-hmm. um, just kind of gauging where the grapple and the um, mantles work for mm-hmm. her swinging and stuff. But overall. Um, I think this game's going to have its issues, uh, but I think that they've put a lot of time into it and I'll probably beeline it. I'll probably just go through the main story quests. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of cool little Easter eggs and a cool uh, like little nods to uh, uh, Arkham games that are going to be on the side stuff. There were a lot in the alpha. Yeah. So I think, I think if you're a fan of DC, you're probably going to find a certain amount of enjoyment out of it regardless. It doesn't need to be a 
nine out of 10 game or a 10 out of 10 game to still have some fun in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fighting through Baldur's Gate three still. And that story still has me invested, but I absolutely hate the combat. Mm-hmm. I absolutely they, hate having to try and go around through it. They sent me a Baldur's Gate three code a couple days ago. Should I? That doesn't look like a loot <sighs> game. I genuinely don't think you're going to enjoy it. Okay. But you also said that you wouldn't enjoy Starfield, and you did. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to rob you of the opportunity to to find something that you do enjoy. Yeah. But I don't think that's the type of game that you're going to enjoy. Similar in the same way that I think that there's something really cool about Alan Wake too, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's my game. I don't I think, think I would, it is either. I, I, I would rather watch, watch someone play through that. Yeah. I finished Alan Wake too. Uh, I love that game, but I'm also very angered by its ending. And <laughs> I don't want to talk about it because I feel like in and of itself, like the, even the comparisons I would make would spoil by accident. Um, so I will say this as a diehard Alan Wake fan, a diehard control fan, Alan Wake 2 is a fantastic video game that front that's ending and resolution very much frustrated me. Um, mm. But the experience of playing it is worth the time if you enjoy survival horror. If you enjoy the stories of Control and Alan Wake. And I think Sam Lake would have benefited from an editor in the same way that Neil Druckmann and Hideo Kojima and even my own favorite DC creator, Zack Snyder, could use in other elements. Like, I want Zack Snyder edited everywhere except for DC. Like, but I mean, that's mm-hmm. gone. But like, I think Sam, uh, Neil Druckmann very much needed an editor for Last of Us 2. I think. Hideo Kojima, rein it in, bro. Sam Lake is borderline, like, bro, come on, man. Um, but that is a great video game. Great video game. I don't think you would like Alan Wake 2. Kind of like Rebel Moon. Did you like it? Oh, you did no. like Rebel Moon. Yeah, I have no. not watched it yet. Um, I love Zack Snyder's DC, and I liked uh, the Army of Darkness, and I like 300 and stuff, but like, I have not been motivated to watch Rebel Moon. Dawn of the Dead and 300 are my favorite that yeah. he's done. Yeah. Ever since those, though, I just have not resonated with his content. And Rebel Moon mm-hmm. is definitely one of those ones where I was like, I can see why if I was Kathleen Kennedy, I would not let this fly either. I think with and this could this is this could apply to a lot of people. But like once a director or creator exits the thing that made them most famous it's mm-hmm. really hard, really hard to find the same success because people yeah. go there looking for the quality, that. the budget, and the same love they had for an IP, right? Like, what does Hideo Kojima look like when he's not working on Metal Gear? How many people didn't go to Death Stranding because it wasn't Metal Gear? And how many people were disappointed with Death Stranding because it wasn't Metal Gear? You know, yeah. how many people are going to Rebel Moon expecting... Zack Snyder's Justice League or whatever. You know what I mean? Like how many people are going to whatever Neil Druckmann does next? How many people yeah. would have played factions and been frustrated? So I just, you know, there's something there. All right. Um, let's, let's look at some listener questions and get you out of here. Cause your voice is fading and I can hear it. And I hate, I hate that you're, he putting your, he's putting himself on the line for us today, guys. And I gotta say, I love <laughs> you for it, man. Um, let's see. Todd Oxtra 
Uh, patron writes in over on Twitter. He says, are expectations too high for the developer direct? What is the minimum we should expect from the direct to be deemed a success? Uh, and then Edward Varnell, one of uh, Todd's buddies there, writes in on Twitter and says, as we prepare for the developer direct, do you think we should see discounts on previous games or unexpected demos dropping from titles that we are shown? Um, that is a great question. Logan expectations shadow drops demos what makes it a success i think dates honestly dates i think dates would make it a success uh that's what worked last time the shadow drop was cool but it, it, no one expected it i don't think anyone should expect a, a, a shadow drop this this time around as long as we get some dates for some of the games that are being shown um even if they're kind of loose quarters I think that's still better than nothing because I think there's no real point in showing off these games and having the studios talk about them if you aren't going to at least tell us when we can expect to see to, to get them in our hands. So I think that's what would what would be a successful. What's the minimum for me for this to be successful? I don't I don't necessarily need a shadow drop. Mm -hmm. I don't need a one more thing. I just want to be sold on these games. And I think that's where the expectation should be held. I think, uh, I, I agree. I think dates are hugely important for Xbox this year. Uh, piggybacking on a pretty darn solid 2023 um, that only had Redfall as its bad game, I guess you would say. And I like Redfall, but I get it. Like, um, you need dates because the slate of Indiana Jones, Hellblade, uh, Aura, and oh my God, Avowed, you're winning with those IP, right? Um, you, to have a success, you give us dates on those things. They're in 2024. I think we expect the gameplay of each of those games to be very high in terms of quality. Um, it's a developer direct, not a showcase of Xbox's catalog. So I love that we know what's going to be there. They've told us what won't be there. I don't need a shadow drop. Um, I don't need the need demos per se. Uh, I just want the games that are shown to be solid. Last year's developer direct, I thought was very good. This one, the IP are more important to me now than, than the ones last year. So that's, that's great. Um, I think the only way you really have a black eye here is if the gameplay for avowed looks dated or if the gameplay of Indiana Jones doesn't look impressive, but, from what we know of Obsidian, from what we know of Machine Games, that's not their thing, right? They don't tend to let down. So are expectations too high? No, I don't think they're too high from those that have paid attention. Um, I also think they've Xbox has set expectations. No one should be expecting a shadow drop, not a shadow drop, if that's the case. Um, so I'm excited for this one, but I don't think... I don't think expectations are too high. I think anybody that's thinking too highly, that's on you. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, Rob Frawley, the uh, second wrote in on Twitter. He's also a patron. What's up, Rob, which upcoming Xbox first party title has you most excited about its gameplay? Which one are you most excited about narratively? And which one are you most excited about visually? Uh, and these can overlap um, for me narrative and visuals are hellblade uh gameplay is indiana jones 
but really like Indiana Jones, like I don't, again, the IP doesn't mean much to me, but I, the gameplay is. So those are my answers to that one. What about you? Indiana Jones is the one I'm looking forward to the most over everything. Okay. Uh, and I think that's uh, both narratively and gameplay wise, visually, I think that's the one that I, I want to know the most about um, just because I'm so invested in the IP. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, Nicholas Johnson, what's up, Nick? He writes in and says, what do you think Xbox could do to improve developer direct? And as a second part, what do you think they do right, right that competitors could learn from? Um, I think we've only seen one developer direct before now, so I don't know how they could improve it, save for just not focusing on the trebuchet element. Just give me the give me the the, the game relevant, the stories with the people behind it, but I don't need to learn about the smallest niche thing on the smallest niche game. But that's a such a nitpick because we haven't seen enough developer directs. We've seen one, right? Um, and we saw a great, uh, I use the term E3, but great E3 presentation from them before. Their showcase has been pretty solid. So what could they do right for competitors uh, that learn from them? I don't have a good overall answer because I think we've seen Xbox experimenting a lot from even in the time that the XEP has existed. We saw the XO events. We saw... What do they call them? I'm blanking on them, but they were live showcases. And I just I want to say state of play. That's not what they were, but they were live showcases that they they did. They had the EXO event in Mexico, but they also just did these things. They were streamed on Mixer or whatnot. I don't even remember what they were called. I'm just blanking. But honestly, I think Xbox has been taking from the Nintendo slate of setting expectations. We're only talking about this and then showcasing gameplay. And I think Sony copied that formula pretty well. Xbox is doing their own version of that. Um, but ask me that question next week, Nick, and then I'll answer it that way after I have two state of plays under my belt. Yeah, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think what they could do to improve the direct is just ensure that the devs have ample amount of time to really kind of showcase it while also giving us the gameplay that we're looking for, as long as those things are there, I think we'll be happy. Um, I think these are, are the things that other companies should be emulating. Let the, let the team speak for themselves. Let the passion come from inside the house, you know, let the, let, let them say why they're excited about Wolverine, why they're excited about ghost of Tsushima too, why they're excited about the next game from gorilla games, you know, like let the, let the studios, have an opportunity to share their thoughts and their feelings instead of making a one hour documentary about how crazy Corey Barlog ended up becoming because of God of War. You know, like those are great, but let him speak on his terms about the passion about the game that he's doing and go from there. Good take. Good take. Well, Logan, uh, I think it's going to bring us to a close here for this week. Uh, getting out a little bit earlier than we'd meant, or a little later than we meant to, but earlier than we've gone in previous episodes. Uh, expect, listeners, that I'm working on interviews for 2024. I've reached out to a bunch of different games. We'll see if it happens. Um, I'm also look, looking at revamping the creator talk to see about getting other creators on here. XCP just growing and adjusting, and I hope you guys are along for the ride and enjoying it. Thank you to those of you who have chosen to support it. Um, but I'm working to bring you guys content in the new year uh, for sure. I think it's going to be a great week for Xbox. Logan, let people know where they can find you, my friend. 
I'm going to be recording Keelhauled on Tuesday. Uh, that way, there's going to be some news that I think that'll come out for season 11. Give me some time to rest my voice and uh, hopefully come back raring to go. Uh, other than that, over on Twitter and threads at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. And Luke, if I may, I'd like to send uh, one little quote out into the world. Okay. Evil is evil. Lesser, greater, middling. Makes no difference. The degree is arbitrary. The definition's blurred. If I'm to choose between one evil and another, I'd rather not choose at all. Is that Geralt? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. And I like the sultry take on your boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, listeners, thank you for supporting XTP. You can find me on socials, primarily threads now, at Ghost. Of course, it means the world when you leave a comment over on YouTube and, of course, a rating on all your podcast services of choice. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Enjoy the Developer Direct. Take care, everybody. Bye.